Everybody, it's good to be here. Thank you for being here. I hope that everything is good in your life, and I know it is right now because you're actually uh, able to worship the God who loves you the most. Amen. I appreciate James' prayer. He touched on a lot of the things that I'm actually going to talk about this morning. Um, I want us to, and and you guys know this, that just about every lesson that we've done in talking about the mind of Christ, I've used Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Well, today is the day we're going to talk about Romans chapter 12, verse 2. But we're actually going to talk about the whole chapter. So we uh, are going to start with this thought. We've been looking at different qualities in our lives. We've uh, looked at how we should be handling them as Christ would handle them. And now when we think about that, we, we may be able to say, you know, okay, this is the way that Christ would want us to do this, but how can I do that in this world today? Well, it's real simple. You can do it in this world today, have the mind of Christ and be just like Christ. Amen? We can actually do and we can do the things that Christ wants us to do in this world today because we actually have the words that teach us how to do it. Now, the question then becomes, do we want to? Do we want to be this living sacrifice? Do we want to be something that people look at and can say, something is different about you? You know, the verse uh, that we just uh, was read and, and we just talked about is something that is so important and such a great reminder for the Christian you know, when we obey the gospel, when we're put in the body of Christ, where all spiritual blessings come, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, you know, we receive forgiveness of sin. We receive reconciliation to God. We receive an inheritance. Can't you wait? Don't you want that inheritance? One day you'll get that inheritance that's waiting for you in heaven. What a beautiful thought. But see, when we became his child, when we said, you know what, I'm going to obey the gospel and be added to his family, something happened. We became his, maybe, workmanship. There we go. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And that process happens when we decide to let the Lord be the guide of our life. Now, I want you to think about this, and I'm going to go back to Romans chapter 12 verse 2. But before we look at it, I want you to look in your Bibles at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says, I beseech you. The Greek word for beseech means I beg you. Brethren, I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you to 
by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Think about that. A living sacrifice that is pleasing to him. As we dedicate our lives to him, then what we decide to do is not to be conformed to the world, verse 2, which says that we don't do as the world does. We don't let the world persuade us how to think about how to be a Christian. No, see, the world doesn't tell me how to be a Christian Who tells me, brethren? God does. Amen? God tells me how to be a Christian. Well, what does Paul say? He says, don't be conformed to the thoughts of the world, but you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, the Greek word for transformed here is a big word that I'm proud, I hope I can say it, Metamorphosis. I mean, y'all feeling it? Sound good? Okay. A caterpillar turns into a butterfly. That is this concept. To be completely changed from one form to another. Now, if I'm going to say that I'm a Christian, there should be a change in my life. Amen? We talked about that last week. The whole concept of being sanctified. When you obey the gospel, you're sanctified. But as you continue to grow in your Christianity, you set yourself apart. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says that when we are conformed to the world, we miss out on a blessing. We miss out on becoming God's workmanship. But when we are renewed in our mind, what do we prove? This is an awesome thing to think about, brethren, because what it tells us is that we prove it to ourselves and we prove it to others what is uh, the will of God. It's good. It's acceptable. And it is perfect. You get to show somebody that. You have the ability to be able to prove that to somebody if it's really what you believe, if it's really a part of you. See, which brings to life this other verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You you remember when Paul says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You remember? He said, old things have passed away. And what is it, brethren? All things have become new. You're brand new. You're a new creature. The question for us this morning then is this. Are we striving, are we working to do this in our lives? Or are we just going through the motions? Are we striving to present ourselves to the Lord a living sacrifice that is acceptable to him or not? Here's the deal. If we want to, we can If we desire to, we will. 
But the only way that we do that, the only way that we can be successful and become what God wants us to be is when we have a change in our mind. Where's your mind today? This morning I want to look at our lives and I want you to really check yourself and take some thought to see how you're doing in some areas. See, when we look at Romans chapter 12, it gives us this good concept of what a Christian looks like, a person whose mind is renewed. I want to start in verse 3. I want you to think about what Paul says. He says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Think about this. Is our mind being renewed when it comes to this concept? Being humble. Why do we get in our minds sometimes that we're really something before God. Isn't that what happened to Satan? Didn't Satan think that he was something before God? You remember the Bible talks about this concept. Pride comes before what? The fall. Why do we think that way? When everything in our lives are going good, we talked about this in Bible class, why is it so easy to forget about God? Or when tough times blow in, why do we turn on God? Why do we exalt ourselves above God and His ways in all the situations? What happens to us? What happens? In order for us to have a right, renewed mind, one that's going to prove what the will of God is, we must think properly of ourselves. Amen? See, if I don't have the right concept of who I am, then I'm not going to be able to be successful when I walk with Jesus because sometimes I'm going to say, Jesus, just step aside, bro, because I got this. <laughs> I got it. I mean, I'm doing great. Look at my life, man. I'll holler at you and I'll rub that bottle when I need you, okay? Just sit over in your place and I'll get straight uh, with you when I need your help. We are simply God's servants, brethren, fulfilling his will by our actions, we are simply people who should be grateful for all that God has done and we want to return to God a mere fraction of thanks for the goodness that he's bestowed upon us. Amen. Man, Matt, that sounds so hard, man. I'm reminded of Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5. It says, so I said, when he saw the Lord and this glory, he says, woe is me for I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king and I have found myself to be unworthy of that. 
I'm unworthy of that. There's no way possible that I can compare to that. I do what I do not because God needs me. I do what I do because the love of God persuades me. I see an almighty God who doesn't need little old me. But he looks at me and he says, I want you on my team. I want to make you something that you never thought you could be. Are we bought in on that? Because the gospel is so powerful that it can overcome my failings. I don't know about you, brethren, but I fail a lot. I mess up a lot. Sometimes I do things multiple times that I shouldn't do. See, I have weaknesses. I don't know about you. I have struggles. I make mistakes. I fall short. So when I realize that he doesn't need me, but he wants me, see, my humility comes naturally because now I know where I am. And see, this verse becomes reality. James chapter 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. See, a renewed mind understands humbling ourselves before the Lord means he will use us like we never thought was possible. I don't know about you, brethren, but I always wanted to be the best athlete, okay? I wanted to be the best on my team. God says, if you get on my team, I don't care where you come from. I don't care how you talk. I don't care about your background. I will make you something special. Don't you want in on that? I don't care who you are. I can make you my child and you can be an heir. And I can help you and guide you and show you the way. Didn't Jesus say it like this? You shall know the truth and the truth. Verses six through, uh, uh, actually, let's look at verse five. It says, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Verse six, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in, in proportion to our faith or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now think about this. Is our mind being renewed when it comes to being humble? And is our mind being renewed when it comes to our abilities? I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you think this. I don't know if you have confidence in this, but I want to just tell you something. You got skills. All of you. 
Every single one of us in here has skills. Are we using those skills for the glory of God? See, a renewed mind says, I may not have a lot, but this is what I got. And because this is what I got, I'm going to do as verse 6 says, I'm going to use them. Not think about them. I'm going to use them. We need people who will serve. Amen? People who will serve without the concern for their pride or their ego. Serving because it's your obligation. You remember what Paul says in verse 1. He says, it's your reasonable service. See, we need people who will teach. People who will teach without the concern for their pride or their ego. Teaching it because it must be done. Teaching because we see the need of passing the truth of the gospel to others. We need teachers. We need people who will exhort. People who will exhort without concern for pride and ego. The gift of exhortation, brethren, it reminds others of the importance to live out the truth of the gospel. Hey, brethren, exhort me, will you? Will you encourage me when I'm down? Will you tell me, hey, man, you know what? I know it's tough, but guess what? God loves you. He really loves you. Keep being you. Keep serving him. Sometimes I need exhortation. And so does the church. Many members, one body. But look at what it says in verse 5. And individual members of one another. See, we need people who will contribute. We talked about this. He says in verse 8, he who gives with liberality. We need people who will share their goods. We need people who will share their wealth without concern for exalting their self, for without the concern of lifting up their ego. Brethren, I got a guy, and I don't know, he may be watching on Facebook. He sends me about 15 to 20 pictures every single day, this guy in India, and he is baptizing and having gospel meetings left and right. And I'm like, to God be the glory. Every day. He's been doing it for months now. I look on my phone, message, Facebook. And if I don't look at it soon enough, there's another one. The gospel is going out when we contribute, when we put our money in that plate. It's going for God's glory, y'all. People's lives are being changed, not only abroad, but here too. We need givers who have generous hearts for the spreading of God's kingdom. We need people who will lead we need people who will lead not just in a certain way, but they'll lead diligently. 
See, the shepherds are leaders. We need to pray for them. Deacons, parents, teenagers, Christians, those who will lead as examples and as workers. As we know, the best leaders are not those who are decision makers only. Am I right, brethren? But those who lead by example. They do the work and they do it diligently. And here's, a, here's an encouraging thing too. And they make those around them better. Huh? If I'm a good leader, then I'm making the people around me better. I remember on the, the printing press, I remember one guy in particular. I don't know if he was a Christian or not, but he had good uh, morals and he did things the right way. And I wanted to be on his crew. You know why? Because he was a good leader. He'd stand up for us. He'd take up for us. He'd help us. He'd come over there and do the things that he really didn't have to do. And I admired that. And I thought, if I'm ever going to be in charge, that's the kind of guy I want to be. Think about if you are a Christian and you're leading and people see your example, what happens? It becomes contagious. We need leaders who will make those around them better. We need people who will have and do acts of mercy. As it says at the end of verse 8, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. See, the acts of mercy are the reference to the, uh, those who administer and uh, they give aid to the sick and the suffering. Now, that's not just for the physical. That's for spiritual and physical. And help those who are suffering for the glory of God and not for the glory of themselves. And the way that you do that, the way that you help people is not like a burden. You do it cheerfully. See, I want to help you. I know you're hurting and I know you're struggling and I can't necessarily take that pain away. But you know what I am going to do? I'm going to cheerfully come to you because I want to and I want to help you. I want to be there for you. I want to hold your hand. I want to cry with you. Is our mind being renewed when it comes to our abilities? We all got skills. Is our mind being renewed when it comes to being humble? And is our mind being renewed when it comes to our abilities? And thirdly, is our mind being renewed when it comes to being all you can be, right? I want to read verses 9 through 21. I know that's a lot of reading, but we can do it. I, I know y'all. Y'all can read chapters at one time. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor or giving preference to, the, to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, 
distributing the needs of the saints, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so you will heap coals of fire on his head. And then it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, love is to be genuine. It's the real deal. See, we are to be holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. With everything that we got, we're supposed to be dedicated to what is good. You hear what he says, abhor what is evil. Get away from what is evil and cling or be completely glued to what is good. Now, brethren, when you think about your life, is that where you're at? See, our relationships with other believers are to be tight. I use this in, in, my, in the way that, that I talk. Hey, man, me and dude are tight, right? Yeah, I'm tight. Me and Roman, we tight. We're close. See, we're diligent people. Romans 12, verse 11. I don't even know if this is a word, but I'm going to say it. We aren't laggards. <laughs> Come on, y'all. See, I'm not lagging behind. Hey, man, come on, hurry up. Come on. No, I'm not lagging behind. I'm right on where I need to be. See, our spiritual life is to be fervent. It should be rejoicing in hope. It should be patient in trials. It should be steadfast in prayer. Are we being all we can be? I'm not going to specifically go through all of these. Brethren, we know these. We talk about these. We are uh, actually, uh, you know, doing these things. But you take time on your own time to think about where you need to be better at these what about when it comes to being all you can be to somebody else? Are you devoted to one another? Verse 10, are you giving preference to one another? Verse 11, are you contributing to the needs of the saints? Practicing hospitality? I mean, when you think about having a renewed mind, it's like, Matt, dude, you're giving me like this huge list, man. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff right there. You expected me to do all of these things? Yeah. And me too. So it sounds like, you ever been in class, you know, and the teacher, in class, I don't know, maybe this has never happened to you. Uh, a lot of things may have never happened to you that happened to me, but that's okay. So here we are in class. The uh, lady's teaching the lesson, and she gets all the way to the end, and, and the, bell, the first bell rings, and she says, Okay, y'all.
We got two chapters that we got to read and you'll be tested on that tomorrow. Really? Two chapters? That's like 40 pages. I ain't got time for that. Now, what if I don't study? What if I don't prepare myself for that? What's going to happen when I take the test? I'm going to fail the test. Amen? If I'm going to be able to be patient in trials, if I'm going to be able to keep rejoicing in the hope of heaven, if I'm going to be able to be steadfast in my prayer, I better be working on trying to be the best I can be. Amen? Rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. Not being wise in my own opinion, but really looking at the situation and saying, you know what, you're actually right and I'm wrong. How hard is that for us to say, brethren? You know what, that actually is right. I've been holding on to something for so long that ain't even right and I wasn't uh, having my eyes open enough to see it. But you know what, brother, sister, I appreciate you telling me that and you know what, you're right. See, I don't repay evil for evil. I don't uh, be overcome by evil, but see, I overcome evil by doing good. I want to close with these thoughts, and I want you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13 and 16. I, I want to close our thoughts with this. Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to start in verse 13. Paul talks about he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And he did this. God and his did it for the equipping of the saints, for the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I want you to ask yourself this as we get ready to read this. Have you measured yourself lately? You remember, we talked about this before. This verse is talking about to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You remember when you were young and you, you had your door frame and, and you're trying to measure how much you've grown and maybe your mom or your dad or your grandpa, they'd, they'd line it up and put that uh, four foot six. You growed so much, right? You're getting so big. And then you do it the next month and what happens? Oh, you've grown a little bit more. Four foot six and a quarter, right? You always like, yeah, I did grow a little bit, right? Have you measured yourself spiritually lately? It, well, Matt, I can't measure up to Christ. Well, neither can I. Neither can anybody else. But is that a cop out? Is that an excuse? How? You're doing when it comes to really, and I mean really having the mind of Christ. See, when we renew our minds to do God's will, when we personally say, it's time for me to do God's will, we will, as the body of Christ, become a body of believers that will work and grow like never before. Look at what Paul says. He says, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the, and look at it, the effective working by which every part does its share. You want to grow? You want to be encouraged? You want to see Fountainhead be like it's never been before? Do your part, brethren. I need you. I need you to be fired up for Jesus. And I need to be fired up for Jesus too. Because if I don't take people Jesus, they can't be saved. Amen. Every part does its share and it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Man, I want to hear what you're doing. I want to hear what's going on in your I want to see what's happening for the glory of God. What are you doing? What skills are you using for God's glory? It all starts by being humble. It all starts by understanding you have abilities. And it continues with the thought, what can I be for Jesus? How effective can I be? And when that happens, we as a group grow like no other. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with that. I'm so glad we have visitors here. I'm so appreciative of you being here. What a blessing it is to me and I know to us here at Fountainhead. But maybe you need prayers. Maybe you're struggling with something in your life and you need some encouragement. We can pray with you. But maybe you're here today and you're not a child of God. Maybe you're here today and you're wondering, how do I become a Christian? You do it by obedience to the gospel. You do it by believing who Jesus is. If you believe that he came, that he died, that he rose again, and you believe that he is the only way, then you do this thing called repentance. You turn from your way of living and you turn towards God. It's this whole concept that we just talked about. Not being conformed to the world anymore, but transforming your mind to live like Jesus. And you do it by saying, you know what? I'll tell anybody that I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Just like that eunuch did that day. He saw water and he said, what's stopping me from getting baptized? Because I know that baptism is going to be the thing that washes my sins away. But what do I got to do before I get there? He says, you got to believe. And he said, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. And then you go into the water. G, uh, Peter said on the day of Pentecost that you repent. He told those Jews who were cut to the heart. He said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe today is the day that you say, you know what? I want to be added to the family. If you need to obey the gospel, if you need prayers, please, whatever you need, come right now. Together we stand and sing.